With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Pick up the pieces of your life. Put them back together with the words you write. All the beauty and peace and the magic that you'll start to find when you write your story. You've got the words inside, don't you think it's time To let them out and write them down Uncover what it's all about And write your, write your story Write your, write your story Hi friend, welcome back to the Write Your Story podcast. This is Allie Fallon, I'm your host. And on today's episode, I want to revisit something that I touched on very briefly in last week's episode which is the publishing choices that I'm making for my most recent book. I announced in last week's episode that I have a new book coming out in May of 2024, May 7th to be exact. My new book called Write Your Story will be available everywhere that you buy books. In fact, it'll be available even sooner than that. I think kind of any day now, it'll be available for pre-order and I'm gonna literally like pull out every favor that I have and ask you to go pre-order the book and share about it with everybody that you know and just create a groundswell of enthusiasm so that the book buyers and booksellers all know to buy a bunch of copies and keep them on hand. As I'm sure you know, in some capacity, pre-order sales make a massive, massive difference for authors. And the other really cool thing is I'm putting together an awesome pre-order bonus package for you. So everybody who pre-orders the book is going to get a ton of freebies and I'm still working on exactly what's going to be included in that, but I'm literally like pulling out all the stops. I'm like pulling out all the old resources that I've ever created. I'm going to give you everything that I have that I can and really make it worth your while to go pre-order. So stay tuned for the exact pre-order date, but it should be literally any day now. So anyway, like I shared in last week's episode, the book is called Write Your Story, a simple framework to understand yourself, your story, and your purpose in the world. And I've changed the subtitle. Actually, I had to look up the exact subtitle because I've changed it a couple of times in line with what I talked about in last week's episode that I've been in this massive evolution of learning what this message is really about, that this is not just about teaching people to write books and publish books, which is awesome, but it's really about helping you to see yourself more clearly, helping you discover your purpose. Like, why am I here in the world? Who am I and why do I matter? And helping you hear more clearly the lessons, the insights that your life is trying to offer you. And I talked about last week how I really was adamant that this book has to go in 
the self-help section of the bookstore over the writing section of the bookstore because this isn't really about writing, although the tool is writing that we're using. But the purpose of the tool is all of those things that I just said to help you develop more purpose and confidence and clarity in your life. And I'm just so excited for you to finally be able to read this book that I've been working so hard on for a really long time. I promised in last week's episode that I would talk about my publishing choices because I'm taking a little bit of a different path with this book for both Packing Light and The Power of Writing It Down, which is my first and my third book. I took the traditional publishing route. So I published with Moody Publishers out of Chicago for my first book with Zondervan, their business leadership imprint for my third book, The Power of Writing It Down. And I've had mostly really great experiences with traditional publishing. In fact, I miracle of all miracles, got the same editor for Packing Light and for The Power of Writing It Down. I mean, maybe it's not the miracle of all miracles. It seemed quite serendipitous to me because Packing Light came out in 2013 and The Power of Writing It Down didn't come out until 2021. And so because there was such a wide gap there and it was two different publishers, I was shocked that I had the same editor for both. But Stephanie Smith is fabulous and just such a intentional, thoughtful reader and editor of my work. I felt like she really caught the vision for both of those books and brought her genius to the table too. And we had a great collaboration while I was working with her is when I would say all the time that writing a book is like a long conversation between a writer and an editor. And there's this great book called The Journal of a Novel by John Steinbeck. It's the journal he kept where he wrote letters to his editor while he was writing East of Eden. It's such a fabulous lesser known book that most people have never heard of. But reading those letters affirms that belief for me that writing a book is this long conversation between you and your editor because you have one way of saying a thing and a great editor is not going to necessarily delete something that you have to say or change it unequivocally, but they're going to ask good questions and get you to go deeper and make really powerful suggestions so that when the reader gets the final product, that they get the richness of that conversation. If the conversation was one-sided, it would be half as rich or maybe a tenth as rich as it is when you get that sort of back and forth, that long conversation between two people. So Stephanie Smith was my editor for both of those books. There's also Indestructible, which is the memoir about my divorce that was published between those two. And The Power of Writing It Down came out in January of 2021. I'm checking the date really quick, but I think it was January 5th, 2021 was the release date. And January 6th, we all know what happened on January 6th, was the insurrection at the Capitol. That was such a tense political time in the world and also a really bizarre time in my life because I had a barely six-month-old, maybe not even six months, and had just moved across the country. I was literally recording podcast episodes to talk about the book inside of my empty office with zero furniture in there. Our furniture hadn't even arrived from LA to Nashville yet. And it was such a bizarre time to release a book, both because of what was happening in the world and also what was happening in my personal life. And then shortly after the book came out, I found out I was pregnant with Charlie, which was a very welcomed, but not 100% planned pregnancy. And so it was like, a whirlwind and the book was out and I felt like the book kind of got a little bit lost in the weeds of my life. However, as I reflect on the release of that book and everything else that was going on in publishing at that time, 
I also kind of wonder if it would have mattered, like if I would have had the rocket fuel to put behind the book, would it have made a difference for how the book performed in the marketplace? I don't know because there was so much happening politically. There was a lot happening in the publishing space. For starters, there was a massive reorganization of personnel at Zondervan while my book was coming out. So like a huge leadership turnover, people on my direct marketing team were, I think, laid off or I don't know exactly how it works, but I just remember it being like in flux and in movement as my book was coming out. And then I also was talking with other friends who were authors who maybe they had signed a contract before the pandemic hit in 2020 and their contracts had been canceled. A lot of people were meant to go out on book tours and never got to go. And there was just so much uncertainty in the world that definitely filtered into publishing. And the other thing that you saw happening in 2021 is in-person retail for books dropped significantly. I can't remember exactly when it happened, if it was late 2020 or early 2021, right when my book came out. But because you saw such a massive dip in in in-person retail, it changes the way that books are sold and it changes the way that contracts are written because Publishers are writing contracts based on how many copies of your book that you th- they think you're going to sell. So all of that to say, that book came out at a really, really strange time in the world and a strange time in publishing. And I found myself a lot of times when I was working with other authors saying to them, why don't you consider self-publishing or why don't you consider hybrid publishing as an option instead of traditional publishing? In the early parts of my career, the push was always for traditional publishing, in part because that's what people wanted. People get in their mind that traditional publishing is kind of the A-list way of doing things and that if you're like a B-list author or you're junior varsity or you're just not as cool and nobody wants your book, then then you can self-publish or then you could publish in a different kind of way. I personally have never thought that that was true, but I think even more and more we're seeing massive shifts in the way that book publishing happens. But all that to say, people would come to me, they would be really dead set on wanting to traditionally publish And because that had been my path, I knew how to help them do that. So Prepare to Publish, my flagship online course at the time, I was 100% helping people write book proposal documents. Now, if you don't know what a book proposal document is, you're not alone. I went into my first publishing meeting ever with Packing Light, having no idea what a book proposal document was. Ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. 
But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was 100% helping people write book proposal documents. Now, if you don't know what a book proposal document is, you're not alone. I went into my first publishing meeting ever with Packing Light, having no idea what a book proposal document was. But a book proposal document is how you get an agent. It's how you get a book deal. It's like a 30 to 40 page document that basically gives the business plan for your book. It tells your publisher, here's what the book is about. Here is a sample chapter or two. Here's who I am as an author. Here's how I'm going to sell the book. It is a massive undertaking to create a book proposal document. And so this is what I was helping people do. This is what we did in Prepare to Publish. And I would tell people, you know, if you plan to self-publish, you don't need a book proposal document, but it's still really helpful to create one. So let's just plan to write book proposal documents for every author that we work with. And that was best practices for me back in 2015, 16, 17, 18, while I was doing it. And then when The Power of Writing It Down came out in 2021, and I had that different kind of traditional publishing experience, it was nothing specific that any one person did. It was just like the lightning bolt of watching what was happening in the world and happening in publishing and me feeling like maybe there's another way to do this. Like maybe writing book proposal documents is spending a lot of time doing something to get the approval of a gatekeeper when more often than not, I'm watching these gifted authors who don't have massive platforms because they're not household names. I'm watching them work really hard to create this book proposal document and then you know, knocking on the door of all the gatekeepers and getting no, 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 no. And many of them were people that I'm like, your book needs to be out in the world. It makes no sense for you not to publish a book. And some of them, a lot of them actually were people who I thought like, you have the marketing channels available already. Like you've got people listening to you and people buying things from you who would love for you to publish a book. So it's a no brainer to have you publish a book, but the publishing companies couldn't make the numbers make sense. And so they were saying no. And so I started to hear myself saying this a lot in 2021 to clients I was working with. I just was like, have you thought about hybrid publishing? Have you thought about self-publishing? And my experience with hybrid publishing was pretty limited. 
and my experience with self-publishing was even more limited. But I started working really closely with a company I love called Book Launchers. Julie Broad has become a friend of mine and I really, really have so much respect for what she's done with Book Launchers. Book Launchers is a self-publishing agency. That's the best way I can think to describe it. That basically acts like your publisher for self-published authors. So that way you can self-publish a book and you don't have to feel like I'm out here floating in la la land all on my own with this thing I've never done and I have no idea what to do next. But instead you have a team of people just like you would with a traditional publisher who comes alongside you and says, here's what we do next. We're going to get your ISBN number. We're going to get your copyrights. You need to be working on your manuscript. Here's an editor. Here's a cover designer. We're going to do your interior layout. So you have a plan in front of you. You always know what to do next. You're not just guessing. And the only difference with book launchers and a traditional publisher, well, I can't say the only difference. The biggest difference is rather than getting paid to write your book, you're paying for the service of having this team help you get your book out in the world. And I, when I met Julie, I was like, this is so brilliant. What an incredible service for any author who wants to self-publish. There are tons of people for whom self-publishing makes infinite sense, like way more sense than spending two years knocking on the doors of agents and publishers. So what a brilliant service that you're offering to authors and really like giving them an opportunity to level up the quality of the final finished product. And even in many cases to sell more copies or make more money than they would if they had taken a more traditional route. So Julie Broad is one person who I met during this time who I'm a huge, huge fan of. And if you're interested in learning more about book launchers, you can go to booklaunchers.com and schedule an intro meeting with them and learn more about what they do. And then the other thing I learned about is Forefront. Forefront Books is a hybrid publisher. They're here in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a company started by Jonathan Merck, who has had a long and really valuable history in the traditional publishing world and who is a well-known name and a really respected name in the in the traditional publishing world and started Forefront Books as a way to rewrite the book on publishing. That's their tagline is rewriting the book on publishing. And they've been featured on like every news outlet. They've been voted, you know, the number one hybrid publishing company in the U.S. They have had a ton of books hit the New York Times list and other bestsellers list. They're just a a really, really credible group of people who care about books, who are helping authors think differently about how publishing has to work. And one of the main issues that Forefront Books is solving for self-published authors is distribution because I don't want to get too much into the weeds that might not be interesting to everyone, but a big problem that self-published authors face is their only distribution is through Amazon. So as a self-published author, you can't just go knock on the door of your local Barnes & Noble and say, you know, can you carry my book? The way that a book gets into a Barnes & Noble is through the sales team at a publisher talking to the sales team at Barnes & Noble and, you know, negotiating like how many books are you going to carry and where are you going to put them and all that sort of stuff. So as the average self-published author, your only distribution is really through Amazon. And so it can make it complicated if you would prefer to broaden your range of distribution. You don't really have as many options as a self-published author. And so... Jonathan Merck has brought together the benefits of self-publishing and traditional publishing and offered an option for distribution. So he uses Simon & Schuster, which is one of the big five publishers in the U.S. to offer distribution to authors who want to hybrid publish. And again, the difference with hybrid publishing versus traditional publishing, the big difference that matters 
to the author is instead of getting paid an advance on royalties to write your book, which is really just you paying yourself up front, instead of that, you're paying for the service of distribution, you're paying for the service of interior layout, cover design, you're paying for this team to help walk you through the process of publishing your book. So you make that investment up front. But then the nice thing is, rather than with traditional publishing where you're keeping 10% of the royalties, with hybrid publishing, you're keeping like 70 to 80% of the royalties. So all of that to say, one of the main reasons why I made the decision to work with Jonathan, aside from just the incredible testimonials and the incredible experience that so many other authors have had with him and just the expertise of his team was because I wanted to have an experience that I could pass on to the authors that I was working with. Because in so many cases, I was saying, instead of writing a book proposal document, let's write the manuscript and see if we can use a hybrid publisher or maybe self-publish instead of traditionally publishing. Because again, over and over again, what I was watching is people spending six months writing their book proposal document, spending another two years pitching it to publishers and not getting the responses that they were hoping for and feeling really demoralized and shut down. And so I just was like, hey, what if we skip the book proposal document writing process altogether? What if we just jump straight to writing the manuscript? In my mind, and this will make sense to those of you who listened to last week's episode, this pivot that I've been in in my professional life, in my mind, writing the manuscript gives you as the author all of the gifts that the book was there to give you from the beginning. Like it teaches you, it informs you, it fills you up, it talks to you, it gives you insights, it gives you inspiration. And then the publishing piece is like, whatever, that's secondary. That's so cool. If you get to share those insights and inspiration with the world, then fabulous, fantastic. If you don't, then the book already gave you everything that you could have asked for. It already transformed you as the author. It already made you into the kind of person who can move through the world and embody that message. It makes me think about my friend Thad, who just released a record. His record's called The Kid, Thad Cockrell. You actually can't stream the record on your normal streaming apps. You have to go to his website, thadcockrell.com, and purchase the record there and you get a digital download and you also get a vinyl copy of of the record and you there's a couple other like cool merch things that you get along with it but i went to thad's release party last friday night and he gave a speech at his release party that stuck with me in fact after his speech i was like thad i need to get you on the write your story podcast Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I went to Thad's release party last Friday night. And he gave a speech at his release party that stuck with me. In fact, after his speech, I was like, Thad, I need to get you on the Write Your Story podcast. I've had him on another podcast show that I did where he talked about his experience of getting on the Jimmy Fallon show, not once, but twice. And, you know, and ending up getting like, I don't know, 10 or 20 minutes of airtime, which is like unheard of on late night television And just talked about like the miracle of that experience and how it saved him in a way because he was on the verge of giving up on his music, on his art, and was just like, forget it, I'm going to go get a real job. And then, you know, got this spot on Jimmy Fallon. So that's such a cool story. But what he said the other night at his album release was, this music has already given me everything that I could ever ask for. And he's like, now what I hope and pray for the album is that it can go give those gifts to other people. And I wanted to give the gifts to as many people as possible. But I have chills just just repeating his words right now because it's exactly how I feel about writing a book. And I really think that is going to be so successful with this album, not just because the album is friggin' great. Like it's so good. It is one of those albums that you just want to put on repeat over and over and over again. And that's important as we're making art, right? Like we've got to you got to make good art. You can't just make cheap art and expect people to want to come and spend their hard-earned money to buy it. So the album is great. That's one thing. But also, he's taking a different approach to this album. You know, he's not streaming it on Apple Music and Spotify and whatever. He's selling it on his website for $99. The album's $99. And trying this experiment, like what would it look like if I want to keep making music, I need the consumer to be willing to pay for the music what it costs for me to make it. And it is experimental. It remains to be seen how the consumer will respond to it because we're so used to being able to stream music for free. But if the music is good enough and if people want it badly enough, don't you think they would spend the $99 to go make the purchase? 
So the comparison I'm making here is like self-publishing, hybrid publishing is a younger version of publishing than traditional publishing. Traditional publishing has been around forever. And I often call it a dinosaur because it's like they're very slow to evolve <laughs> with the times, you know, and, and they, their systems and processes are in place and they're unlikely to do things differently. So hybrid publishing and self-publishing are a younger version of this. It's, it's more experimental, kind of like selling your album on your website for $99. But I'm so curious to see how consumers respond to this. And I really feel like that is going to be so successful because he's taking a chance on a different way to do it. He's doing this on his own terms. You know, he made great art that people are going to, they're going to want to have access to this. And I, I just see him being really, really, really successful at this. And I think it's such a good light on the horizon for us to look to. Like it's a model for how we can think about our writing, our art as writers. So I want to have that on the show. He said he'd come. I think I'm going to record an episode with him next week. So so hopefully we'll have that available for you soon. I, I can't wait to hear him just tell the whole story of why he decided to do this and you know what it looks like from here and, and how, what the response has been like. So we'll, I'll ask him all those questions. But essentially, the reason that I decided to take this path with Forefront Books and to try a hybrid publishing route is because I wanted to be able to speak with some authority to the writers that I'm working with about what it looks like to skip the traditional publishing process and take matters into your own hands and write your own story of publishing and just decide for yourself, like, when is it a good time for me to publish this book? When do I think, you know, can I, can I tune in to my own intuition and think about like, when does it make sense for this book to release into the world rather than waiting two years for a publisher to say yes to you rather than waiting even longer to build your platform first before a publisher says yes or whatever, jumping through the hoops that you have to jump through for traditional publishing. Instead of that, can we just jump straight to the writing of the manuscript and just get all the gifts that the book has to offer you and offer that to the people who are paying attention, to the consumers, to the, to the I don't even like the word consumer when we're talking about art because it's like the people who are going to experience this beautiful work of art that you put together so I'm testing that out. I mean, it remains to be seen what will happen with this book. But I'll tell you what, I believe in the people out there who care about good art. This is another reason why I think Thad's album is going to pop off. I think it's going to because I think there are enough people in the world who care about good art and who are willing to pay a premium for it. And I think there are enough people out there who would rather band together and write the story about what makes a book popular or what makes a album popular, what makes a piece of music really interesting to us rather than just, well, it was published by this publisher or it's owned by this label or whatever. So, I mean, I feel like as artists, all we can really do is focus on creating something really wonderful that feeds us and that will feed the people who listen to it or read it and trust that it's going to find its way out there in the world it doesn't always find its way. You know, writing a best-selling book is a little bit like catching lightning in a bottle. Even if you do all the right things, you can't always get to that objective. And it's why I think that objective isn't a really great one to have. It can be motivating, but it can also be really deflating when you do all the things and you don't get there. So a harken back to last week's episode, going back to your why, it's like, if my why is this book is feeding me. That's why I wrote it. It's like psychically and spiritually 
feeding me, even if it doesn't feed me or my family with the sales of the book, which I hope it does. But if it doesn't, it's feeding me psychically and spiritually, and I hope it's feeding you too. And I, I really believe that as artists, that's all that we can hope for. And when we venture away from that territory and move into the territory of the known, like I know exactly what to do and I can you know, put this thing together and it's going to sell. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, you venture out of the territory of art. There's like production where you have a product that you know will sell and you've got the distribution channels open and you've got the numbers all worked out and that's production and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with production, but it's not art. And I think what I'm talking about here and what I'm really interested in is art. And, you know, maybe I get a side job in production to fund my art. I think that's also a wonderful way to do it. So what do I want to leave you with? I want to leave you with a couple of things. I want to leave you with a reminder to go back to your why, to check in with yourself and ask yourself why you're doing a thing. Why am I writing my story? Why am am I writing this book? Why am I running this half marathon? Why am I working on this music? Why am I making this art? What is it for? And really check your intentions and your motives with that why and ask yourself if maybe there's something that you need to quit or alter or change. I also want to leave you with the reminder that art is important, that art feeds you, that art feeds the people who come into contact with it, and that creating beautiful art is a really important endeavor that I hope we never lose sight of. And then finally, I just want to leave you with a reminder that you don't have to do whatever it is that you're doing, writing a book or anything else. You don't have to do it the old way. You don't have to do it the way that other people are doing it. You don't have to follow the predictable pattern. You don't have to follow the program. You can break protocol. You can sell your album on your own website for $99 a pop. You can break protocol and try it a different way, publish with a hybrid publisher. You can break protocol in whatever way that you want to. And just for the sake of experimenting, just for the sake of writing your own story, of carving your own path, you can do that. You don't have to if that's not what feels aligned for you, but you can. That's available to you. It's open to you. And I hope you take the path less traveled. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll see you next week. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. 
Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.